Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. More than a million customers are without power across the country, most along the I-95 corridor in North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania to New England, amid intensifying icy cold and powerful winds. It is frigid, frigid, frigid. The wind is pretty brutal. I felt like I got like frostbite almost instantly. They're in Chicago, where winter storm and blizzard warnings blanket the region, with Arctic air dropping wind chills as low as minus 70 degrees in the northern plains. And amid travel advisories for drivers from Iowa to Michigan and Indiana, where the National Guard's been deployed, urging much caution as people try to make their way to Christmas destinations. Yeah, so you have the the bomb cyclone as it's been fashioned. You have the named system in certain weather circles. You have the winter weather advisories everywhere and a whole lot of headaches, including over a million people without power right now. So my condolences if you're in that particular camp as for me not so much i was just telling mr producer that the ac cut off in my studio about 20 minutes ago 25 minutes ago now it's 73 where where i sit in west palm beach we talked out at 84 today which is why the ac was still running just a bit ago and about now you have probably realized that this is not the great one but it is brian mud and i do originate from my uh, studio here in west palm beach where yeah it is still nice we're gonna get down to like the, the 40s this weekend which is super cold for us but yes uh nowhere near the issues that pretty much everybody uh north of where i am sitting right now will be dealing with so I do hope you have a uh, Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, in, in spite of all the weather, which is pretty wild. I mean, literally from one coast to the other, everywhere in between, all the way south at this point to about Orlando or so. But uh, anyway, it's always great to be with you. I am the host of the Morning Rush, WJNO, in West Palm Beach, the Brian Mud Show podcast, where you can get uh, your podcast wherever you, you get them. You'll find mine. So check it out, The Brian Mudd Show. You can also uh, get me on social at Brian Mudd Radio. And as we are here on this day, the celebratory day, a day where many have had many joys and many frustrations. No, I'm, I'm not talking about this being smack dab in the middle of Hanukkah, right? I'm talking about Festivus. Today is Festivus. Yes, did you, did you remember? It's a, a festivus for the rest of us. As I get started today, what came to mind is, you remember when festivus was still funny? You know, in the case of life imitating art, the concept of festivus, it is alive and well. I mean, arguably more so than it's ever been, even more than that of the soup Nazi at this point. I mean, and for one, Seinfeld was... And is awesome. Second, 
with record numbers of Americans placing their faith in nothing, with many which continue to legally fight to attempt to achieve nothingness in society, it's something which can be rallied around to attempt to achieve nothing in society. Hence, festivist displays that have become pretty much commonplace on public grounds across the country in recent years. And third, here we are in 2022, a full 25 years after the episode originally aired, the official rights holders to the show, did you know this? They have started a change.org petition to attempt to make Festivus an official thing. As the petition reads, it states the poll, the airing of grievances, the feats of strength. They're no longer just Costanza family traditions. They're our collective heritage. They've transcended the world of Seinfeld and are now embraced by... I've lost my train of thought. The world is filled with countless holidays. There's almost too many. Yet the universal holiday of Festivus isn't recognized. That's preposterous. Festivus brings everyone together, but we still can't get a lousy day off of work. Now's the time to right the wrong. It's our duty to honor Frank Costanza and his legacy by making Festivus a national holiday. Here's what you can do to help the cause. First, sign the petition and share the hashtag MakeFestivusOfficial on social media. Second, march into your boss's office and demand to get the day of December 23rd off. And third, if they say no, Hamayama, take the day off anyway. This year, with your, your help, we'll all get to experience a Festivus miracle. By the way, they did not get the necessary signatures uh, for Next Level Consideration Change dot org. just as an aside. But anyway, I, I mean, here's the deal. 25 years ago, that would have been hilarious. 10 years ago, still pretty funny. But today, with a record low of only 64% of Americans who are, quote-unquote, convinced God exists, not according to Gallup, and the wokest among the 36% attempting to remove any semblance of recognition of God from society, not really all that funny anymore because it's become all too real. Incidentally, Wikipedia already recognizes Festivus as a thing. And for many in, in society, their system of values or the lack thereof must become something of a joke from times gone by. And anything that represents the antithesis of intelligent design, that's become an actual rallying cry. Oh, and, and then there are the actual airing of grievances. As has become Senator Rand Paul's tradition. This in, in life and specifically with Congress... You know, life is imitating art after all. There have been annual opportunities to illustrate the height of absurdity on each and every Festivus. The absurdity that's paid for by you and me. And at this point, our great-grandchildren's grandchildren. So Rand's annual airing of grievances in his 2022 Festivus report, it found the following from the just-passed 
$1.7 trillion dollar omnibus uh, spending bill. The, the number here is $482,276,543,907, Mark, worth of federal waste. So out of $1.7 trillion, Rand has identified a shade under $500 billion. That is sheer waste. And as Rand tweeted, who's to blame? Well, he said one need to look not further than the $3.5 trillion that big government politicians in Congress spent on the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which ultimately does nothing to truly combat rising inflation rates. Worse, those same big spenders have just teamed up to pass a pork-laden $1.9 trillion omnibus spending package for 2023, released in the dead of night, and voted into law without anyone having read it. Now that, in and of itself, brings up another instructive point about something which was once funny, has since become all too real. Remember when Nancy Pelosi, saying that we needed to pass Obamacare to find out what was in it, was actually funny? Now it's standard congressional operating procedure. And what's recently been found to have actually been in these things? You've you've had $3 million in grants to watch steroid-injected hamsters fight. That happened. $2.3 million to inject Beagle puppies with cocaine. $1.1 million to watch mice get drunk. It is all in the name of science, after all. Oh, and, and this just in from today's omnibus. $523,345 for the LGBTQ. They were so insensitive. I don't see the IA+. They are not woke enough. But they have $523,345. I love the preciseness of the number that was allocated, by the way. For the LGBTQ Youth Behavioral Health and Wraparound Services Program. LGBTQ Youth Behavioral Health and Wraparound Services Program. I don't know that it's helpful to think about that one too hard. But anyway, I'm pretty sure this is what happens in society when you actually begin to pay homage to Festivus. I mean, the scientists behind those projects, you know, the hamsters and the like, they're, they're, they are among the most militant in attempting to suggest that everything came from nothing. A concept which, by the way, requires more faith than belief in a creator, which would provide an actual explanation for how everything came to be. And I'm pretty sure at the point where you claim to have the answers, but literally adhere to a belief system that doesn't provide even the most basic of answers. Getting down to spending a few million here and there to give hamsters roid rage, get big old puppies high, watch intoxicated rodents, it, it all begins to make a lot more sense. And after all, I mean, all you've ever done, just kind of make it all up as you go, right? And since our federal government continues to make money up as they go, that's kind of like a perfect pairing. So for many, today might be Festivus. But for the rest of us, the only thing we have in common is holding the bag for all the nonsense. And of course, hard scientific research, like the taxpayer money used for a grant to the National Science Foundation to study whether Marvel's characters could snap fingers while wearing an infinity glove 
and make half of all life in the universe disappear. This actually happened as well. The, the study, by the way, did find that attempting to snap your fingers in a metal glove won't work. Won't work. So thank God. I mean, check that. Thanks, science, for using our tax dollars to get to the bottom of it. These people, no doubt, they have the answers to the, the origins of life after they were just so right about how to handle COVID-19 and its origins. So yeah, today's Festivus, how's it working out for you? It's just not quite as funny as it becomes more real. But speaking of something real, Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. And if you're offended by me saying so, well, you're offending my intelligence and my wallet, let alone the implications to society. That's actually what I'm more concerned with and I'm going to pick up there next. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Lovin. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous new year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. It was 58 degrees at 3 a.m. in New York City. By tomorrow morning, you're waking up to temperatures around 11, maybe a round number around 10. So it's a more than 40 degree temperature drop, and it's come along with these brutal wind gusts that actually led to very high water. We had flooding that occurred out in the Rockaways and farther east out Long Island at the Battery in Lower Manhattan. That was actually the highest water level since Superstorm Sandy back in 2012. You showed this about 1.3 million power outages in that cluster in the middle. Atlantic and up into the Northeast. That's all related to those powerful wind gusts. That's uh, Ian Oliver, Fox Weather, and pretty crazy. You, you talk about Superstorm Sandy as it's referenced there. Near hurricane force winds in places, winds of up to 70 miles an hour that have been sampled across the country. And again, I mean, like literally coast to coast. Pretty wild what's happening here. It certainly feels like the holiday season, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, the holiday season. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Talk a little bit about happy holidays and erring on the sign of God. Now, it's something that I've been trying to do more of myself. It's something throughout the course of this year. Not that being politically incorrect isn't natural anyway for me, but been increasingly considerate to make more of an effort to try to you're on the side of God. And it's one of those deals where it's like, okay, if there's a doubt in, in mind, what's the right answer here? Let me ask you, how many times have you found yourself thinking of saying something that's faith-based? But 
You don't. You haven't. Yeah, maybe it's because of political correctness. Yeah, maybe it's, it's fear of how someone might react. How many times have you thought of doing something selfless? But you haven't because you opted for self-interest instead. You know, in our society over the past 40-plus years, we've been conditioned to err on the side that is opposite of our faith. And I think this holiday season, it's important to be mindful of this type of thing. It's come in the form of the Department of Education eliminating any semblance of it in our schools. Hence, winter break. Because, of course, I mean, that, that makes any kind of sense independent of religious considerations. I mean, we have happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. The conditioning has often been a, as subtle as it has been pervasive for decades now. You notice how no one hesitates to say Happy New Year. No one blinks. You don't think twice about it, do you? Happy New Year. And you notice how once we get past Christmas and Hanukkah, people stop saying Happy Holidays. It just flips to New Year. We've been conditioned to err on the side opposite of God, opposite of our belief systems. And is society better or worse for it? And to that end, here's a nugget to consider on a profound issue in which our society did err on the side of God this year. That was life. You know, since the 73 Roe v. Wade ruling, about 64 million abortions have been performed in the U.S., according to the Guttmacher Institute. I might say that's the opposite of erring on the, the side of God, certainly on the, the matter of life, you know, per, pretending that you know fetuses aren't lives and, and might be just pumpkins, for example, or, or something that magically transform into life after birth. Science tells us a baby has a heartbeat, can feel pain at 15 weeks, been scientifically proven as early as six weeks, Hence the Mississippi law that brought about the legal challenge before the Supreme Court this year. And isn't it interesting that following the science also was consistent with erring on the side of God about the most fundamental issue of all. And independent of religious considerations, if we're going to potentially err in one direction or another, isn't that the way to go? Isn't that the way to go? The more you do that, the more things might begin to make sense. I'm going to pick up this thought, and I want to hear from you as well. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Airing on the side of God this holiday season. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous New Year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example, the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. 
I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. Mark Levin, the champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. Freeze warnings, hard freeze warnings all the way down to South Texas, throughout areas of the deep south, the northern half of Florida. Uh, freeze watches in effect down and even in towards Lake Okeechobee. So the cold air settled in really dramatically. Watch Mobile, Alabama tomorrow morning, 20 degrees, 25 in Jacksonville, 9 in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, like literally everywhere north of where I sit in West Palm Beach, it has gotten cold pretty wild. No part of this country being spared at this point. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And on this Festivus, yes, today happens to be Festivus. One of the things I'm, I'm talking about is erring on the side of God. You know, many conservatives for some time have talked about happy holidays and, and making sure you you keep the Christ in Christmas and that we aren't afraid to, you know, talk about having a happy Hanukkah as we have Hanukkah obviously going on right now as well. And, and having been conditioned throughout the course of generations at this point to err on the side of political correctness. And this has become so pervasive in society that even many conservatives go that direction. And you might even do it at this point subconsciously. But one of the things that I think is increasingly important, not for the sake of indignance, not for the sake of even trying to take back a little bit of ground that has been ceded, but because of what's in the best interest of society, including ourselves, that we actually stop in those moments and we err on the side of God. We err on the side of our belief system. Because if we do that even just a little bit more, not only are we likely to make those around us a little bit happier, not only are we likely to end up being a little bit happier ourselves and, and maybe feel better because we didn't go along with political correctness, probably going to get better results as well. Funny thing what happens when you err on the side of God. Now, it's often far more, you might say, evolutionary, the information we learn in science as it continues to mesh with our understanding and our belief systems as well. All right, let's go to Bill in Fredericksburg, Virginia, listening on WMAL. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, look, uh, uh, happy birthday, Jesus Christ, uh, to our Lord and all, our Savior. And uh, But I wanted to mention that we had a magic moment here with this multi-trillion dollar bill that they just passed where the House Republicans were coming in and they were mentioning, look, maybe we should wait until after the beginning of the year where we can look at this and we can actually – Go into this bill and see what's going on with this. Maybe we can actually regain control of this crazy spending that the Democrats have been doing. And the instant that came out, Mitch McConnell got off of his money rock that he was sunning himself on in uh, Congress. He slithered into the pond, and he turtle-walked his way down to Chuck Schumer, and he said, well, we, we have to get this passed. We have to get this passed. I could not believe how fast Mitch McConnell ran down the aisle of Congress to support the Democrats 
to get this massive backstab of every American taxpayer passed. It's just crazy to see Mitch McConnell act exactly like a Democrat. I just could not believe it. So the next year coming, we have to regain control of this spending. We have to return it to the American people, and people have to understand that every dollar we spend comes out of your pocket. It comes out of your savings. It comes out of the money that you've spent your whole life earning. It's not free. So we have to regain control of our government. Yeah. Bill, I, I'm guessing you're not in favor of the $523,345 for the LGBTQ Youth Behavioral Health Wraparound Services Program. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm, I'm sure the Wraparound Services Program is, is going to be of great benefit to, to so many. Uh, but yes, you, you are on point. By the way, Merry Christmas, and I appreciate the, the call. So you had Senator Mike Lee, who did end up having a procedural um, opportunity in the Senate, which Mitch McConnell basically just went the other way on and helped ensure that this was going to get done as quickly as it ended up coming together without anybody having actually read it, as Senator Rand Paul pointed out, as Senator Paul has now identified nearly $500 billion of $1.7 trillion that passed in this thing as outright waste the one thing we've learned about mitch he's good on judges and on nothing else and on nothing else and there are a lot of things that you know we could take a look at a lot of issues this is just the the latest but that much is clear and it's one of the problems one of the frustrations that will continue into the new year now on one hand things will get better it's kind of funny because if you go back a couple of years ago, I remember having these conversations. Remember 2020, everybody was so happy to be getting out of 2020. I mean, COVID year and, and lockdowns and, and everything. Oh, my gosh, 2020 is gone. I remember you know, having the conversation and on this, this show saying, guys, you know what? I mean, things are likely to get better in the new year. I mean, look, who, look who's in, in control. You know, look, look where the, the power is, is going to be. And, and you know, we've continued to see the consequences. You know, similar uh, but different conversation in 2021. Now, the one thing we do have going for us now is, okay, well, Republicans will have control of the House. There will be, you know, d- d- checks and balances to a certain degree, along with, you know, many of these promised investigations. We'll see where any of that goes. I remain skeptical until we actually see any results out of any investigations that might be undertaken by a Republican-controlled House. Never mind, you know, we, we don't know who is, is necessarily going to be the next Speaker of the House at this point either. Something else that's definitely worth talking about and, and worth following. But things will be getting a little bit better that way. But in the Senate, no. Not only will Democrats have even more ground, a Kirsten Cinema having gone independent in the name of political expediency notwithstanding, but Republicans went ahead and took a look at Mitch and said, yeah, that's our guy. That's our horse. So he remains minority leader in the United States Senate. I hear you. I understand. There's a lot to be frustrated for on that one. Let's go to, I, I love these. I love these. Um, so it'll be a good one. Let's go to Jerry in Milwaukee. Jerry does not want to err on the side of God. Welcome to the show, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, well, 
for me to err on the side of something, I, I have to believe in it, and I, I don't see the evidence. I, I, I know I've heard all, all the basic arguments from theists on, on why their God exists in their heart and everything. But what I'm saying specifically, I don't care if someone says Merry Christmas. I don't care. But the government should be neutral. The government and society should be neutral. And then the things have changed over the last 40 years. One of the things is used to be only Christian symbols were like in parks or whatever, in governmental property, even in December. And now there's more rights for atheists and other groups like Muslims to put up their own displays. I think that's a good thing. And if it's like airing on the side of a god is only Christians maybe have first-class rights to do things, then no, I don't want to air on that. You know, I, I so, so yay, yay or nay on the Festivus poll? Where are you on the Festivus poll specifically? Oh, the Festivus poll, yay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we, we, we have found uh, something that uh, that you can rally around there. Uh, okay, Jerry, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, the whole point here is is not necessarily to preach. But one thing that I am actually going to touch on in, in just a bit, and it's something I've discussed since a Harvard study came out back in 2018, is that everybody in society, including atheists, benefit from those who adhere to a, a sense of morality, that adhere to a belief system. And if you take a look at what's happened in our society, the further away we have moved from matters of faith, of God, where everything airs the opposite way, things have not gotten better. It is not a coincidence. And I can and I have illustrated that as our society Going back to the 64 Supreme Court ruling, first striking down religion and, and public schools, the Department of Education, making sure that was implemented starting in 1980. You start taking a look at all these things, and we have seen society move in a worse direction generally, to the point to where even the, the biggest non-believers end up worse off in society because of it. And, and that's one of the other dynamics to where even for someone who may not believe— those who do, erring on the side of God, tends to benefit them. Let's go to Larry in Lake Park, uh, Lake Park, Florida. Larry, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. I thought you were on vacation, but I guess you're not. <laughs> I am actually on vacation. I was telling Mr. Producer before the show, my, my mind's been a little bit comatose for a week, so I was trying to ride the fine line in the open of, of being somewhat clever and topical at the same time. But, yes, I have come off vacation for uh, for the great one. That I, I will do. Well, listen, you couldn't you couldn't do better, and and I got to tell you, I I love it when you take take over for Mark, who's who's one of my favorites. But uh, I just said I wanted to just uh, ask you a question. Everybody's fussing over this one point seven trillion dollar bill uh, being passed be with the old lame duck Congress. That I'm I'm aware of, of a process called a bill of rescission. Are you familiar with that? The bill of rescission, and no, I'm not. Yeah. Well, it's it's something that can be done to undo something that's already been passed and can't otherwise be changed. But what it does, as I understand it, it can defund any program uh, that the Congress has passed on a subsequent action. And right. Okay. Passed, so you're so you're talking about almost like a line item veto, the uh, same I, type I, of concept. I don't know if it, 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 that extent, but it, it basically, as I understand it, is something that can Defund any bill that's been passed by Congress, subsequent Congress, and 
Yep, Larry, yeah, I'm sorry. I think our our connection's bad and we've lost you there. So, yeah, I mean, look, a a couple things about this. Obviously, the new Congress can go ahead and pass anything they want to, and it would override, uh, you know, a a law that has has ultimately been on the books. And so, you know, that is something that could, you know, procedurally be done. The problem you you get into is, you know, Democrats are not going to change anything in in the United States Senate. Certainly, President Biden is not going to sign on to that either. So, you know, the, the, the concept from a point of a practical application uh, that that wouldn't be helpful. I mean, otherwise, yes, uh, all legislation that isn't passed but is proposed, that goes away as, as soon as one Congress ends and the new one comes into play. Let's go to Joe in Philly. Joe, what's the temp in Philly right now? Well, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Brian. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Okay, um... I actually have two points, but my first one is uh, the overuse of the word holiday, holiday this. Yes. When I was growing up, I mean, around this time of the year, it was the Christmas season. I felt like Christmas. Everybody felt like Christmas. But it's to me, it's almost like a form of wokeism that the word holiday is used instead of the word Christmas. Um, holiday trees, holiday parties, holiday yes. presents. I'll be it's you know, the holiday tree. Personally, I'll be glad. Personally, I'll be glad when New Year's Day is over, so I won't have to hear the word holiday anymore for a while. Well, and 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 herein lies right, and so this is you know part of my message about airing on the side of God and and faith. You know, if you. Uh, if you're Jewish, happy Hanukkah. Uh, you know, if you are Christian, Merry Christmas. And if you are, you know, a, a fan of Festivus and you are airing your grievances about now because I am I'm talking about, you know, uh, God and you, you have your Festivus poll lined up. The point remains, we have this season. Why? There's only one reason you have a holiday season, because, as has been said, you have holidays all throughout the year. Why is it where we have all holidays that can get kind of close together in other months? We don't have seasons for that. Well, I I think we all understand the reason, and that's where political correctness has consistently for generations now, to your point about the way things were when you were growing up. It's conditioned society to err opposite of God, even when the holiday season is specifically and exclusively because of God. So I'm inclined to say two sides to stories, one side of facts. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Lovin. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous new year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing, O Little Town of Bethlehem, in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. 
I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. Pacific Northwest, the people got it kind of hard in terms of uh, freezing rain that came down, and it iced over all three runways at SeaTac Airport, causing the runway to, or causing the airport to shut down entirely. Now, they've got one of the runways open again, but all of the major air carriers are being hit. Unfortunately, the number of cancellations just keeps going. That's uh, Fox's Mike Toba there. I mean, literally coast to coast. You continue to see all that coming in. Not exactly the the merriest of Christmases for some that are, are stuck in airports or the million plus without power or happy Hanukkahs for those. But Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And as I've been talking about uh, throughout much of the first hour, in addition to a little Festivus conversation, after all, today is Festivus, airing on the side of God. And it's actually the absence of faith and a belief in God that's led to a lot of what hasn't been positive in society. It's something I've illustrated a number of times over the years. And, you know, it began with Harvard's 2018 study on mental health and faith. And the nuts and bolts of it is Harvard's study found that by the age of 20, those raised with religious practices are happier. They're more likely to help others, less likely to engage in substance abuse, much less likely to suffer from mental health issues. As the study also found, the more closely engaged people were with their faith, the stronger the benefit of all those things, too. And as I've also discussed, entering 1980, the first full year of operations for the Department of Education The average education outcome for Americans, second in the world. Only the Aussies, only Australia was ahead of us. Religious holidays, references, prayers had been generally acceptable in society. Over the next 20 years, entering the 2000s, we experienced a 300% increase in diagnosed depression. This while the U.S. slid to 17th from second in education outcomes. And maybe that was all just a coincidence. But then you start to take a look at those who identify with any religion or faith. And in 1980, according to the Pew Research Center, only 6% of Americans didn't identify with any religion or faith. But now, well, over 26% of those under the age of 35 don't. No belief in God. So the proliferation of faithlessness uh, connects directly to the rise in mental health issues in society. Connects directly to the timetable, the onset of the most significant generational societal changes, school shootings, by the way, starting with Columbine in in 99. So anyway, you you start to take a look at all these things, and it's why even atheists, even non-believers tend to benefit when people err on the side of God. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post. 
deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Temperatures have fallen off a cliff here at the border. We are in the mid-20s here in Eagle Pass. Right where we're standing while we were trying to interview Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez and a group of migrants rushed the river from Mexico as they were being chased by Mexican authorities. It ended up being about a dozen at least migrants who jumped into the water and started crossing illegally. Some of them had little kids with them as they started crossing into the river. They ended up illegally entering into Eagle Pass as those Mexican authorities watched from the Mexican shoreline and yelled at them. They simply walked around the shipping containers, walked around the barbed wire, and then crossed onto a, a local golf course. Yeah, I mean, there you go. So basically, just uh, another Friday at our southern border in Biden's America, along with it being in the 20s there, which just gives you an idea of how freaking cold it, it's been pretty much everywhere uh, across the, the country. Except right here, although I did say we, we just in West Palm Beach, where I sit, dropped down to 69 degrees after topping out at 84 today. And uh, so so we are seeing the, the temperature drop here as well. Uh, I am Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin, and, and I do reside in the Palm Beaches where it is still quite toasty. I was taking a look at all the advisories out there across the country today, the winter advisories, the, the wind alerts and, and everything else. The only advisory we have right now is a rip current statement. So for folks in our area, you, you just if you if you're gonna head out to the beach, you need to mind the the, the rip current a little active today. Uh, I, I really do not mean to to rub it in, but there is a reason why we continue to see record numbers of people flock here. And yes, DeSantis, lack of taxes, all these things are are part of it, but also yeah, definitely the the, the weather is still a, a very big part of it. So I uh, I am Brian Mudd, the host of the Morning Rush WJNO in West Palm Beach, the Brian Mudd Show podcast, where you can get wherever you get your podcast. You may follow me at Brian Mudd Radio on social. It is always an honor and a pleasure to be right here with you, guest hosting for the great one, Mark Levin. And this holiday season, as we talked about that fair amount in the first hour today, yes, it is... Festivus, uh, but it is a a Merry Christmas to you. It, it is a Happy Hanukkah to you, and it is best to err on the side of God, which is one of the things that I'm looking to do. Now, if government did a bit more of that, we'd probably be in, in better shape. Uh, but in something that more closely resembles Festivus, and one of the many reasons that you might have air, you know, grievances that you would want to air, one of the great absurdities that came to light recently was this one. Talk about how we're all created equal, right? Well, if we've learned anything, it's that we've learned it's best to be a rich, black, famous homosexual woman who likes cannabis products. Yeah, if we've learned anything, anything of late about Biden's America, this is it. I mean, this side of, you know, Friday at the border, what you just heard in the open to this hour. In all facets of life, you always have a worst. You always have a best. It's best to be something. It's worse to be something. 
And, and those two things were made abundantly clear recently. It is best to be a rich, black, famous, homosexual woman who likes cannabis products. And, well, it's because, in part, the president of the United States is a total sellout. And, yeah, I, I know we already knew that. I mean, hello, China, Russia, Ukraine ties with Hunter Well. Joe was vice president, which, by the way, I mean, the, the Twitter files are insightful, but I mean, really, show of hands, how many find anything in them surprising? That's the biggest thing. It's the saddest part, kind of wading through the, the Twitter files as we continue to get information shared about the FBI's use of their influence with the former Twitter regime to shape narratives, suppress information, keep people ignorant. Anyway, I haven't found a single thing that I'm surprised by yet. And while the most pervasive form of bias in news media remains omission, you know, what's happened in the two weeks since the Brittany Griner trade, to me, it's been nothing short of fascinating to watch it play out. You know, not many people come with a nickname, the Merchant of Death. Think about what you have to do in life to earn the name Merchant of Death. Got to do some pretty special stuff to get that kind of moniker, especially throughout the national security community. Yet that was exactly the earned nickname of Russian terrorist operative Victor Boot, which is what he is. He's a Russian terrorist operative. Which, you know, I would get a kick out of news reports identifying him as an arms dealer. I mean, calling Victor Boot an arms dealer is about as instructive as saying Osama bin Laden was a devout Muslim. I mean, this guy is arguably the most notorious terrorist this side of bin Laden in the century. The kind of arms this guy dealt with, they were missile systems, they were rocket launchers, uh, among others. And the targets of those arms happen to be American forces around the world. Now, this is ironic in so many ways. The omnibus bill that just passed Congress that Biden will sign, it's being talented for all of the defense spending. All of the defense spending. Well, maybe the reason we need to increase defense spending, along with, you know, the reach-around club or whatever it was for the LGBT youth community, Maybe it's because Biden continues to make the world a more dangerous place by the day. Maybe it's because our forces will be under more of a threat. Now, not only is there a very real threat that the man who worked for years to arm U.S. enemies with high-power weapon systems for the purpose of doing what? Oh, right, killing Americans and defeating U.S. forces. He resumed his prior career. What do you think he's been doing over the past couple of weeks? I mean, the story goes away. You have the merchant of death that goes to Putin, and that story goes away. We have Zelensky that comes here this week, and everything's being touted about, oh, and the omnibus bill. Guess what? We're going to get all this new money for Ukraine. Uh, okay. I mean, never mind what hasn't been accounted for with all the money that's been given to date. But, I mean, the hypocrisy here knows no bounds. What? do we think the merchant of death is doing? Do you think that's good for Zelensky, for that matter, let alone for the United States? So anyway, 
According to U.S. intelligence officials, the reason Putin was so insistent on getting the Merchant of Death back in his ranks, that was due to what he had learned about U.S. interrogation tactics, what our intelligence capabilities are, how we deploy intelligence resources around the world. I mean, with, with that kind of intel, what could go wrong? Sarah, what could go wrong? And then there's this little nugget to consider. It's the oath sworn by the President of the United States. You know, the whole I do solemnly swear thing to, to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against enemies foreign and domestic? <laughs> I mean, does releasing Victor Boot for Brittany Griner seem consistent with protecting against all enemies foreign and domestic? Or does that sound like, I don't know, an obvious violation of the oath of office? Which would be an impeachable offense. But yeah, I mean, so worth it to get Brittany Griner back, right? After all, she was so much more valuable, you know, like literally, than say an American hero like Paul Whelan. I mean, that schlub, what'd he do? He dedicated his life and, and service as a Marine. What's, what's honorable or valuable about that, right? I mean, oh, unless it helps us get our omnibus spending bill passed, then we will pay homage to the armed forces. So if only, you know, Waylon were a rich, black, famous homosexual woman who likes cannabis products, his fate could have been different. The one, yeah, I was thinking about this, and one of the mistakes he probably made in this whole deal, he should have just attempted to identify as all that, right? I mean... Who would Biden have been if, if Paul Whelan had come out and said, you know what, I, uh, I'm, I'm feeling black and, and homosexual, and uh, if I get, out, I get out of rush, I'll do some cannabis products. I mean, who, who would Biden be to say he's not? Anyway, instead, Whelan, who for years has been held as a Russian prisoner under bogus espionage charges, according to the U.S. State Department findings as well, not just his. He remains in Putin's clutches, replete with the merchant of death, which is never talked about. Two weeks have gone by. None of this is talked about anymore. Just focus on Zelensky. Focus on all the money that we're getting for the armed forces as we continue to make this country, the world, less safe. Yes, Joe Biden is a total sellout. And just as sickening, no sooner had news hit of the anti-American trade taking place than you had the publicity stunt. This is the one thing I thought was funny about this, the publicity stunt. When was the one time in recent memory that you had the president and vice president of the United States show up in the same place at the same time? You realize that it was when they were on hand for the presser with Griner's wife? And if you're wondering what could bring Harris and Biden together... It would be the wife of a rich, black, famous, homosexual woman who likes cannabis products. That's what will do it. And when was the last time any news outlet meaningfully covered this dynamic? Oh, that's right. It was when Brittany arrived in Texas. Now, just think about how dumb the Biden administration thinks the average American is. And I suppose the only question is if the administration is right. I mean, after all, he was elected. But hey, we still have no Trump tweets. No Trump tweets. Um, that is so worth it, isn't it? Having a president who sells out the lives, the safety of Americans, in the name of woke identity politics.
really is so much better. Having the news media turn the page on the story from the merchant of death in under two weeks, that's par for the course. But there is one thing that some can bask in. That is sanity, which we still have, for example, in the free state of Florida, where life does still make sense, and yet it's it's still in the 60s even right now. Which, by the way, talk a little bit about some of what's gone wrong and some of what's gone right as we have more takeaways for where we go from here. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd Lovin'. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. says that they do have a plan for when Title 42 expires. What the exact details of that plan may be is still unclear at this time, but we do know that the Biden administration does want a few more days to sort things out. This week, the DOJ asked the Supreme Court to reject a request by GOP-led states to keep the Trump-era public health order in place, but also asked to delay ending it until at least December 27th. In the court filing, the Justice Department wrote this, quote, the government recognizes that the end of the Title 42 orders will likely lead to disruption and a temporary increase in unlawful border crossings. Does any of that actually make any sense? I mean, really? I think we know what the objective of the Biden administration is, but does any of that actually really make sense? Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And this is all part of the greater point. It's one of the things that we have long witnessed in this country, which is the long game. So Alinsky rules for radicals playing the long game. They've been playing it since the 60s. You can make a case even before, but certainly there has been a well-executed strategy of incrementalism since the 60s. And we continue to see it play out right now, where not a whole lot makes much sense. And there is, for every action, you might say, the equal and opposite reaction. So... We had to pass the omnibus spending bill, this $1.7 trillion bill that passed the House today after the Senate, when nobody had actually read the dang thing yesterday. We had to get that passed because of all the money for the Defense Department. We we need to make sure the, the country is safe, that we are protected. While we continue to have an open border that lets just about anybody through 
and inherently makes us what? Less safe. We've got to have all that money for the Defense Department, for, for U.S. national security, for our heroes, as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi happened to say today. But we trade the merchant of death, one of the most notorious terrorists in history, for a rich, black, famous homosexual woman who likes cannabis products. None of it actually makes any sense. I mean, it does, again, understanding the objectives of the Biden administration. Also understanding how potentially, I don't know, might we say compromised the current president of the United States is, given his Ukrainian-Chinese connections of, of times gone by. In full context, everything that we continue to see play out adds up. But piece by piece, story by story, none of it really does. Right down to this whole Title 42 situation to where the Biden administration has literally argued both ends of it. Now, the question is, their plan. Now, thank God they've got one of those, right? We've got it. We're just not going to tell you what it is. Understood. Uh, because perhaps if we had a, a bit more clarity on exactly what that plan was, well, we would, would have even some within their ranks that might not necessarily view it as favorably. One of the real question marks going forward, as we continue to see traditional news media become less relevant by the day, and a bit of a changing of the guard with whatever will be with Twitter, as the files are continually released, will there be enough of a real doubt, real lack of relevance with what is covered by the traditional news media to be able to keep up this charade. That's going to be interesting going forward. Opportunity where we can gain some ground, perhaps heading into the next year. Continue this conversation. Take some of your calls next. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Do you ever talk back to your radio? Then you must be listening to Mark Levin. Pick up the phone and call 877-381-3811. 
sir and ma'am have been commonplace for U.S. Marine recruits to refer to their drill instructors. However, the U.S. Marine Corps is now considering making it illegal to address high-ranking officers using those pronouns. The recommendation comes from a study by the University of Pittsburgh that states, quote, gendered identifiers prime recruits to think about or visually search for a drill instructor's gender first before their rank or role, end quote. The study noted that the use of pronouns could offend superior officers when... That's uh, Fox's Matt Napolitano on that report. And what comes to mind, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin, isn't just <laughs> the the obvious here. Just it isn't just the uh, absurdity of it all. Now, we are talking about pronoun offensiveness within the United States Marine Corps. It is... We are looking at what we've become as a country. I was talking about two weeks removed from having released the merchant of death back to Russia in in what was little more than a publicity stunt of sorts for the administration. Not even getting back a a Marine that's been held over there in, in the process. So we have... A conversation about pronouns and the level of offensiveness about addressing with ma'am, sir. This is what our country's come to. And what came to mind, every superpower in world history has collapsed, right? And how many times throughout many of the the empires, pick any of the great empires of, of times gone by, points where... They would have seemed invincible. There always was a catalyst. There always was something, a a level of hubris that led to what was eventually their downfall as a superpower, as an empire. Does this not sound, does this not potentially feel like where we are at this point? Where these are the conversations? We've got the merchant of death being released back to Putin, which, by the way, let's be mindful, is Putin just Putin? Well, no, because Russia is what? Russia is China, is Iran, is Cuba, is Venezuela, is Nicaragua. So what Victor Boot knows, is it likely to be just in the hands, in the mind of one Putin? No. Xi Jinping probably has a line on it. The Mullahs in Iran? The legacy Castro regime in in Cuba, Maduro in Venezuela, etc. So we've got all that going on. What do you think Xi Jinping is, is thinking when he hears that we are concerned about pronouns in the United States Marine Corps? But again, what we're supposed to remember today With the passage of the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill is that it was such an important day for U.S. national security and and for our defense department. You know, we've got to do what we've got to do to protect this country after all, right? Let's go to Ivan in Miramar Beach. Ivan, welcome to the show. Yeah, 
I want to say uh, uh, Merry Christmas, Brian. Before I, I go on a sixty-second rant, if you if you'll permit me, <laughs> I'll try to be fast. Merry uh, Christmas. Listen, as far as the omnibus bill goes, Democrats not only have it both ways; they have it all ways. And if the economy if the economy tanks any further, it'll be blamed on the Republicans on the Republican House, and they'll say, "Look what happens when when they get when they get power." Republicans get power. Uh, Mar- <clears throat> Excuse me, Brian. We have no idea. We have no concept of what a trillion dollars is. A trillion dollars is a million million. It's a million million. And the Democrats will have had a million million dollars to spend on their wet dreams eight times over. <laughs> they, they basically have gotten everything that they wanted, and Mitch just handed them more. Yes. And Mitch, yes and yes. Uh, that's, that's Mitch with a B, by the way. For, um, thank you, Mitch, for the destruction of the greatest society in history, the greatest country in history, he needs to be impeached. I mean, not, not impeached, but he needs to be recalled. And, and lastly, my second comment is on, on you, you were talking about God. The God of the Bible, every time there was a society that had rampant homosexuality and pervasive hedonism, there was a verse that says, God turned them over to their reprobate ways. And in other words, he said, if this is what you want, this is what you got. And everything that the Democrats have done is an attack against God. There's a perversion of Christianity that is quiet about the killing of millions of black babies, minority babies, and any baby, all babies. There's a perversion of Christianity that is quiet on homosexuality, which what? is an abomination before God. Hey, well, you, there's another good point that sags, you know, with the, the theme of what you're talking about there as well, which is the hypocrisy where... You know, those who might adhere to Christian values, as as you use that specific example here in, in this country, well, you know, you, you might have boycotts or you might have outright uh, funds that are stripped by, you know, government entities and the like, where you then take a look at what we're doing to cozy up to those who literally will kill homosexuals, for example. Here we are, you know, we, we have been kowtowing to OPEC because we decide that we're not going to produce energy the way that we once did in this country. You know, President Biden, day one executive action as President of the United States killed the Keystone XL pipeline. Within the first week, subsequent executive actions that essentially prohibited the harvesting of new energy uh, and ended up banning a, a huge swath of, of federal land from any access and regulations that were so extreme that even many of the producers that were producing at their their current locations uh, decided they were not going to ramp up at that point. So, I mean, that is, is such a priority that we then turn to who? We turn to uh, OPEC again. We turn to uh, Maduro and, and Venezuela. We look to these people in, in these countries and these governments where on these social issues, these social values – Homosexual homosexuality, uh, for example, you, you die for such a thing. The the mullahs in Iran will will kill you uh, for for being homosexual. So the hypocrisy knows no bounds as well. It's it's a good point. All right, let's go to Rocky in Orlando. Rocky, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Uh, comment uh, about uh, Mitch McConnell. Yes, Mitch McConnell. I think before before the senatorial elections, had uh, complained about the quality of Republican candidates. And I think he made some kind of a comment when he said uh, something to the effect of, you can't beat 
an incumbent with bad candidates, or you can't beat uh, a good candidate with bad candidates. Uh, Kentucky proves that theory wrong every six years when he gets elected. <laughs> he, he He's the worst candidate I've seen in 40 years, and he keeps getting I, elected. Yeah, Rocky, I mean, I, I, I will raise you a Fetterman. Uh, I will maintain that, that uh, Fetterman, though this illustrates the same point you're talking about, about candidate quality, because uh, of either major party in my lifetime, there certainly has not been a worse candidate than I have ever seen than, than John Fetterman. So as everybody wants to preach exclusively about candidate quality, you still have to answer for that one. And yes, about Mitch. And again, you know, part of the problem here is is part of the problem within the establishment of the Republican Party. This is what's a challenge. On, on one hand, many of us can take a look at candidates that are as flawed as, say, a Herschel Walker was and go, you know what? Maybe there is a lost opportunity here or there. There, there are real challenges with getting beyond establishment-type candidates and getting people who also may not turn off those that, that might be otherwise persuadable. But at the same time, it is not a matter of exclusive candidate quality. Why is it that it doesn't matter when it's a John Fetterman in Pennsylvania or, you know, when Republicans are taking a look within their establishment at leadership, they go ahead and they re-up with Mitch McConnell. So there are still many issues. You know, one of the things I took a look at over the past decade, you had the battle within the Republican Party when the Tea Party came about for the, the heart and soul, right? It, it was the establishment of the party against those who were true limited government-oriented people, those who wanted to you know, really reclaim the Republican Party for what it was principally founded upon. And there was a battle that went back and forth. Yeah, the Tea Party that certainly led the way and, and won out uh, in, in 2010. By 2012, though, with, with Mitch Romney and company, you had the establishment uh, that ended up winning and, and fought back. And then it was a little bit of you know something in between 2014. Well, then Trump comes along, and what happened? He smashed the whole battle between the establishment and the, the Tea Party and remade the party kind of in his own image, which is now the struggle that we are fighting today. And a lot of people, including on the right, continue to point their finger at Trump and go, you're, you're part of the problem. And there are arguments that can be made. I think there are many things that he's done that are not necessarily helpful at this point. But it is not as simple as, as candidate quality. It's not as simple as, as Donald Trump. And there are challenging issues that face Republicans. And as we have seen Mitch McConnell get the nod from Senate Republicans again and he will be the minority leader again in the new congress we now see what the house republicans are going to do when it comes time for the speakership that's going to be one to watch for sure let's go to steve in southampton steve welcome to the show hey brian how you doing uh thanks for doing very my well. call listen i looked at this i looked at this Brittany Bryant thing here and I have to be honest with you, the only thing I see this as, sir, is the fact is that uh, Joe Biden needs a prop for the State of the Union speech. And the fact is, down the road, as he gives his speech, he's going to have to have somebody to turn to instead of a military officer. He's going to turn to the Brian and go, hey, look who we brought back. With You're probably being, right. You're, you, you, you're probably right. Now, I'm saying you have you know, one, one other point, Steve. Go ahead. 
Uh, the other point I seem to have is all of a sudden we have the Zelensky guy can find his way out of a war to fly all the way to America. When he got here, do you think he gave possibly an envelope to the president to say, hey, we raided Burisma, we got your name and Hunter's name on some other paperwork here, maybe you want to take a look at this, we need some rockets? Yeah, I mean, it's there's so much that isn't accounted for. I mean, uh, anything is possible, and you know, I, I tend to operate in in the in the knowns, and we don't know what exactly Zelensky has or hasn't done. We do know that ninety percent of the money that we've already sent uh, to Zelensky in in the defense of of Ukraine has been unaccounted for. Uh, that is before we send whatever just happened in the omnibus over to Ukraine. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the point remains. Uh, and, you know, the, the challenge is elections having consequences. Challenge is a, a battle, once again, for the soul of the Republican Party. And also, you know, where we are going to go from here. And that's something that I'm going to be focusing on next. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd. Love in. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Mayor says the shootings happened at a Kurdish cultural center and a restaurant and a hairdresser nearby. Riots broke out after police used tear gas. Paris prosecutor says the 69-year-old shooting suspect taken into custody had been released from prison recently. He was arrested a year ago for attacking two Sudanese men with a sword at a migrant camp in Paris. Well, there you go. We're not, we're not the only country that ends up having people that are released for crimes prematurely that then go on to commit even more heinous ones, as happened today. The story out of Paris, as you had three that uh, were, were killed by the aforementioned perp. I mean, political correctness and the criminal justice system. Uh, the, the, it is interesting uh, how how the boundaries have worked equitably in this particular regard. Except, I mean, the, thank God, right, that we only have mass shootings in the United States. I mean, it's not, if only Paris had more gun control, I guess that wouldn't be a problem there. All right, so Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin, and... Talked a little bit about candidate quality, that kind of thing came up in the previous segment. I did want to uh, to switch gears into, you know, some of what we can do to be constructive going forward. In fact, coming up next Wednesday, I'm going to be talking a lot about that on on the show. 
uh, because it's important that we focus on controlling what we can control. And there's a lot that we can. And sitting in Florida, seeing what we did, what went right, uh, I, I think there are a lot of takeaways if we, so to speak, make America Florida. But there is the unpacking of the whole Trump situation. And I will say that, yes, it's fair to blame Trump, but maybe not for the reasons that people want to. You know, he, no, he wasn't on the ballot this year. Yes, many of his candidates were, including Herschel Walker, who in a case of deja vu, you know, when he, the beginning of the month, dropped the Senate runoff election in Georgia, ensuring Democrats will have full Senate control in January, near identical replay of what happened back in the 2020 cycle. The one thing that people get caught up in is the game of perceived good non-Trump GOP candidates who would theoretically have won close elections that Republicans lost across the country versus perceived bad Trump candidates, a la a walker that lost. And there are so many ways in which I could illustrate the oversimplification of, of that hypothetical. But the, the two that are... I think really easy to pick up on anyone who specifically wants to talk about candidate quality or, or the lack thereof in, in Trump's picks this cycle, you have to answer the one that I reference, which is John Fetterman, the worst major party candidate by way of quality I've ever seen run a, a statewide race. He won by five points. One of the things to remember there is it, it wasn't like he just tripped across the line. Fetterman won by five in PA. So would you like to attempt to make the case that perhaps that good old establishment pick would have maybe lost, I don't know, by just four points in that race? It was clear that Pennsylvania voters this cycle were going to vote for a Democrat, regardless of if it was a poodle or an inanimate object. You know, Fetterman wasn't just a bad candidate. He was awful, and he won by five. The other example is Georgia, because if you take a look at what happened in 2020, Georgia Republican senators which arrived on the scene prior to Trump being on it, in the case of David Perdue, and appointed by popular Republican Governor Brian Kemp, in the case of Kelly Leffler, they lost their elections too, didn't they? They lost their runoff elections in 2020. Trump didn't have anything to do with either one of them. Walker's loss was just more of the same. Which, by the way, is perhaps something Trump can be blamed for, but just not the way that most will try. Because, yeah, Walker was a flawed candidate. No, having a less flawed candidate couldn't have hurt. But Georgia's special Senate election wasn't just more of the same from the 2020 cycle. It was about the voting patterns from the 2020 cycle that remained the same. That's the bigger problem, is the way the game is played. Pick up there next. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation 
forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Folks, I need you to do something today. With aircraft prices surging and flights being canceled left and right, it's harder than ever for our wounded, ill, and injured service members to be with their loved ones on Christmas. And unless we do something right now, within the next two weeks, hundreds of wounded service members will be forced to be apart from their families on Christmas. Luke's Wings believes that every wounded warrior should be able to spend the holidays with their loved ones. Since 2008, they provided more than 14,000 airplane tickets, reuniting families with wounded warriors. This Christmas, please join me and help Luke's Wings reunite 500 wounded warriors with their families by making a tax-deductible donation at lukeswings.org today. Please don't wait. Donate right now. Airfare is rising fast, and these soldiers are running out of time. Please make a meaningful impact this Christmas. Bring a soldier and their family together by donating today at lukeswings.org. That's lukeswings.org, lukeswings.org. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. On this vote, the A's are 225, the nays are 201, voting present, one. On this vote, the motion is adopted. Yeah, that was the sound of you getting screwed today as the House of Representatives passed the omnibus spending bill after the Senate did it without reading it yesterday. So now on to Biden to be enacted as law. Right button for the great one, Mark Levin. I'm in West Palm Beach where it's down to 66 now. 60. I was telling Mr. Producer, uh, we actually have had our, our forecast downgraded overnight. Now our low is projected to be 40 degrees the, this evening, which is a pretty big deal. And for the folks who actually keep up with South Florida, chill conditions, if you hit 40, you can start to get to the point where there's the iguana phenomenon. If you've ever come across the stories or are into the idea of iguanas falling out of trees, 40 is where they really start to kind of lock up. And that becomes a possibility, depending upon how long it it stays down there. And so you you might even have, in parts of South Florida, some uh, iguana tree-falling stories in the morning. Though I know for you, pretty much no matter where you are, north of where I am in South Florida right now, you would gladly take some falling iguanas over what you're probably dealing with. And I, I do wish you a, a Merry Christmas, a, a Happy Hanukkah. And and yes, uh, the, the Festivus, as today is Festivus, for those who are part of the, the rest of, of us. And if the Festivus poll is your thing, who am I to, to say it shouldn't be? Though, as I pointed out at the onset of the show, even atheists benefit 
from society erring on the side of God, which for those of us of faith is very important to do this holiday season, I believe. Anyway, I wrapped up the, the previous hour talking about blaming Trump, and it's fair to blame Trump and not the way that people want to for this past cycle. The whole candidate quality thing. Not that there aren't some arguments that can be made here and there. The bigger issue continues to be Democrats playing the game the way the game is played across the country, taking advantage of vote-by-mail and early voting, while Republicans largely continue to ignore it. And this included in the example of the Georgia Senate special election, GOP strongholds in Georgia delaying the start of early voting for that special election until they are well past Thanksgiving weekend. Well, you had Democrat strongholds that opened up in the state as soon as they possibly could for early voting once a, a court made a ruling on when early voting would open up in that state. And so Democrats swamped Republicans in early voting in Georgia, which likely proved to be the difference. And versions of this played out in similar ways, once again, all throughout this cycle. A very similar story to a lot of what we saw in 2020. Now, one of the things I mentioned uh, in uh, with my local shows, what I call my top three takeaways, from October 27th, when I was making an observation about what was going on in my state of Florida, there are two points that proved to be key with what happened here, with what didn't across the country. There's a lot of people still trying to figure out how is it that Florida had the cycle that Florida had and the rest of the country had what it had. And so here's the first point. And, and again, this is straight from what I ended up bringing my, my local audience on October 27th. I said, here's what we know. Republicans had a historically good 2020 election cycle with a record number of Republicans elected top to bottom within the state of Florida. This cycle is pacing much better, with Republicans performing nine points better with votes by mail, seven points better with early voting. Early turnout suggests the early optimism by Florida's Republicans is warranted. If these turnout trends continue through Election Day, a historical red wave will play out in Florida. A historical red wave will play out in Florida. And then this one said, here's the next political trend that needs to change in Florida and across the country. Most Republicans waiting until Election Day to vote in person. Your vote will count every bit as much as on Election Day. Anything you've ever heard to the contrary, it's a bunch of poo. And not only can I prove it, I have proven it countless times over the years. And in a analysis... For Newsmax, Dick Morris pointed out that voting early accomplishes two things. It ensures you don't have an oh-crap moment on Election Day that keeps you from being able to vote, but it also helps with something else that is probably a lot further off your radar than even life happening on Election Day. It frees up party operatives. frees up party operatives to be able to get out there and to work on trying to turn out people that might be less reliable than you would end up being on election day. And so we continue to see the difference in historic trends. We continue to see the difference 
when you have people that play the game the way that the game is played. And as Morris's piece ended up showing, the net difference when you take the two factors into account, the number of people who intend to vote but don't get around to it on Election Day, along with party operatives being able to work to try to turn out less reliable voters, comes out to about 5%. So by getting out to vote now, or as soon as you're able, you're potentially helping advance your political preferences in the election cycle by even more than just the impact of your vote. And again, those were two things that I cited about two weeks prior to Election Day. And it's ultimately what the cycle came down to. I was able to accurately project a historical red wave election. Not just any, but a historical red wave. What we ended up seeing in our state, where we have more Republicans than ever before elected. And it was the largest win by a Republican gubernatorial candidate since 1868. Been a few years. It was based on early voting trends. Early voting trends. And the failure of Republicans in other states to engage in a similar way is almost certainly what led to Republicans producing a disappointing overall result from this past cycle. And that's where it gets down to playing the game the way that the game is played. This was something that I mentioned on November 17th. Republicans dominated early voting in Florida. Outvoting Democrats who had long held the advantage by two to one. And there are many reasons why a historic Republican win occurred in Florida, including lower turnout by Democrats, but beyond the issues and beyond DeSantis's personal popularity was the ground game. Republicans turned out to vote early in Florida like they did in no other state, and it was the difference between winning and winning a historic victory. Similar efforts by Republicans in other states would potentially likely make the difference between outright losses and wins. So Republicans need to stop complaining about the way elections are conducted across the country. They need to start playing the voting game the way it's set to be played. Democrats continue to excel at playing the game well nationally, while Republicans continue to complain about mail-in ballots being everywhere and extended early voting happening everywhere. Look at what happened in Florida when people stopped complaining and just started voting early instead. That's the model that needs to happen everywhere. And the grassroots, the infrastructure, the preparation, it needs to start now. It's why the conversation is important to be having. There's no substitute for good policy and good candidates with good policy positions. But none of it actually matters if Republicans across the country continue to pretend that elections only happen on Election Day. You got to play the game everywhere the way that it's played. Now, this is where it comes back, and I think you can blame Trump. Because notably, even in Trump's 2024 announcement, he advanced the policy position of Election Day only voting. And look, there can be validity to the idea. In a utopia, I would be on board with the idea that the you know, Election Day is a national holiday and we all go vote. But look, it's not happening. It's not happening, period. Even if Trump were elected president again, there's a 0% chance of that one becoming law to where we end up you know, usurping the way that elections are run in all states and end up having Election Day-only voting. It will not be. And so that's where the blame 
for Trump can come in. His effort in 2020 to encourage Republicans only to vote on Election Day, his recently announced position even still reinforcing those thoughts, they continue to act as significant headwinds for Republicans. Just as he needs to leave 2020 behind and look towards the future, because every election is always about the future, more importantly, his supporters need to embrace the way that elections are run across the country and to play the way the game the way that the game is played, just like happened in Florida. And that's not to say that within your state, you can't continue to work on reforms to get it more in line with what you would want it to be. That said, regardless, whatever the game is, play the game the way that it's going to be played. You know, in my state of Florida... Ballot harvesting is illegal. That can land you in jail. In California, in a lot of Western states, it's not only legal, it's encouraged. It's nonsensical for Republicans in those states to just let Democrats do all the ballot harvesting. Doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. If you're not going to be able to change the law, play the game the way that it's played. And that's what we have to begin to look towards. And I'll have bit more on that line of thinking and some of the roadmap that we were able to enact in in the state of Florida, where we have lots of early voting. We have tons of vote-by-mail ballots, especially with so many of our residents that tend to be out of state. And yet, we have had, even with an election crimes division that can investigate voter fraud, no credible claims that have been found at the local level or by the DeSantis administration at this point We had a record turnaround time for votes being counted and a record result for Republicans. It is all possible, but again, it's about playing the game the way that it is played. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd, love in. You already know your identity can be stolen. Did you know your home has an identity that can be stolen as well? Everything about your home lives on real estate, government, and financial computers that can be hacked. This is a real estate crime called house stealing, and the FBI reports real estate fraud is one of the fastest growing crimes. A thief forges the title to your home and takes over as the new owner. Then he takes out loans on your home and leaves you in debt. And no, you're not protected by insurance or simple identity theft programs. Home Title Lock protects you by locking down your home's title so the bad guys can't get to it. I trust Home Title Lock, and I suggest you verify that your home's title is still safely in your name. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and use promo code MARK. Then register your address for your free, no-obligation home title report. That's a $100 value free, folks. Visit HomeTitleLock.com, promo code MARK. Again, HomeTitleLock.com, promo code MARK. Extraordinary heroes in Ukraine fighting on the front lines of the battle for democracy. In this legislation, we proudly deliver another consequential round of security, economic, and humanitarian aid. Yeah, I mean, that, that happened. We, we needed to pass $1.7 trillion to make sure that Ukraine had everything that Zelensky asked for this week. Along with, you know, the 90% of which was unaccounted for that we had already handed over. That was the real other important thing that happened with the omnibus today. Thank you, 
House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, which, as an aside, what are the odds that we're actually going to end up missing her in leadership on the left in about a year? As wacky as things continue to trend within that party. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. While you might be cold, I hope you are having a Merry Christmas season, a Happy Hanukkah. And, uh, well, as we were just talking about what went right in Florida, what went wrong nationally in this past election cycle, taking a look towards what needs to change going forward. Of course, there's conversation about Republican Party leadership generally. And speaking of Florida, DeSantis. And, uh, well, if we're going to read DeSantis's tea leaves, you're, you're familiar with the expression. I mean, everybody has heard and... It was probably even used, the the tea leaf expression. But are you familiar with the origin of the saying? It actually dates back to fortune tellers in ancient Greece. It's the practice of literally reading or interpreting the designs of, of one's tea leaves. Now, if you could find, for example, the shape of an angel in your tea leaf, well, that's said to mean that good news is on the way. If you see a circle in your tea leaf, That means that you're going to find love. And while that sounds about as reliable as fortune cookies, I am far from a professional tea leaf reader, but as an amateur one. If I am attempting to infer what the leaves in the DeSantis household might say, you definitely get the feeling they're indicating someone running. And while the true intent of Governor DeSantis regarding potential 2024 ambitions remains a closely guarded secret, one that is held so tight that not even the leaves have leaked the secret, there are increasingly a lot more leaves just showing up to be read at his house. And the biggest leaf to date was the news recently that Governor DeSantis will be releasing his personal memoir on February 28th. Now, personal memoirs being published, not at all unusual with notable figures. Personal memoirs published by 44-year-olds, it's a bit more unusual. Personal memoirs published by a 44-year-old who will just be starting a second term as governor would qualify as highly unusual, as in, I don't think that's happened before. And then you've got the title and the premise of it, which is The Courage to be Free, Florida's Blueprint for America's Revival. Now, maybe DeSantis is hoping that Americans will read it, and decide to implement the blueprint themselves, possible. Maybe it's that he intends to illustrate what he intends to run on as a platform for president. At this point, that feels probable, especially when the publisher states that the book will center on critical issues that brought DeSantis to the center of the debate over what the future of our country looks like. He shares his thinking from when he was fighting back against COVID mandates and restrictions, critical race theory, Woke Corporations, the Partisan Legacy Media. It also promises to highlight his, quote, bold, substantial policy achievements. Now, it's possible, possible that the timing of this is coincidental with a message that's timely. And there's no doubt the DeSantis family, and I know a lot of people may not be aware or are just skeptical about politicians in general this way, but the DeSantis family is not wealthy. They definitely could benefit from having what would likely be a national bestseller on the shelves sooner than later. But 
if we are reading tea leaves, probably about more than a pretty big book deal at this point. Going to be interesting next year for sure. And uh, we'll have a lot, a lot in store. Take some of your calls next. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Inflation is the economy's number one problem. The Federal Reserve continues to raise the rate. Why? Because you took the majority. It's raising rates and you still don't get it. But Democrats want this bill to put more pressure on the working yeah, that is Kevin McCarthy speaking on behalf of Republicans prior to the vote in the House earlier today, which did end up sending the omnibus, the $1.7 trillion bill, replete with nearly $500 billion in waste, according to Rand Paul's assessment, sending that on to President Biden for him to sign. And we talked earlier in the show about Mitch McConnell and how Republicans took a look at him and said, yeah, you know what? Give us some more Mitch and made him minority leader yet again for the upcoming Congress. What will be with Kevin McCarthy? Will he be the the next Speaker of the House? Yes, he won the first vote uh, for leadership, but House Speaker before the full Congress, before the full House, that's a whole different conversation and uh, one to watch for sure. All right, let's go to the, uh, Brian, by the way, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin, and uh, pleasure to be here with you. Wishing you a, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah. Let's head out to uh, to Vegas. we got Jim in Henderson, Nevada. Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian, thank you for taking my phone call. Uh, I just wanted to uh, mention how, how frustrated I am with this McConnell establishment rhino argument about candidate quality um I, I can't tell you how many times brian i had to vote for some um rhino um hold my nose and and, and uh, push a lever for some rhino that i knew was going to end up probably doing what uh mcconnell and and his ilk did today um but i did it and i'd be curious to know how many republicans in states like georgia pennsylvania uh, Arizona, Nevada, who sat it out because it was America first uh, MAGA candidate rather than some uh, rhino candidate that was on the ballot. These are candidates that won the primary um, and, and were the chosen um, uh, you know, candidates for, for those states. Sure. I, I mean, look, and this is, you know, where there are points that can be made. But as I illustrated earlier, you, you know, we, we have to account for the reality that a Fetterman won his race. And we have to account for the fact that in the 2020 cycle, we had very similar things play out, even in a state like Georgia, with candidates that were there, not of Donald Trump's doing. Uh, and in fact, in the case of one of the Senate candidates in 2020, uh, was the appointment of a very popular Republican incumbent governor. There's more at play in all these situations than candidate quality. And as I was talking about, so much of it has to get down with turnout in early voting and playing the game 
Republicans playing the game the way that Democrats have been playing it, playing it the way that it's played, rather than simply pretending that elections happen only on Election Day. The other dynamic, you start talking about you know, mega candidates and the like, I got to laugh at this one, uh, especially given DeSantis's popularity nationally at this point. By the way, DeSantis has the highest net approval rating of any national political figure in this country. McConnell has the worst, incidentally. But, uh, but yeah, DeSantis has the highest net uh, positive approval rating, according to, uh, to Harris's uh, polling. And... Who is the ultimate MAGA candidate? Who is the ultimate Trumpian candidate? Was there another candidate on the ballot anywhere USA that embodied more of that than Ron DeSantis? I mean, there's irony. He is a disciplined politician as well, not taking that away. And by the way, wicked smart always has been. But still, it's an oversimplification for sure. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Hank in Dallas. Hank, what's the temperature in Dallas right now? Hey, baby, it's colder than the well digger's ass. But, uh, <laughs> I'm going to take your I, word for I, that. I, I really, yeah, yeah. I, I really like your uh, incrementalism uh, uh, aspect. For from the standpoint of killing us with kindness, you know, the the liberal progressives for 40 years have been killing us with incrementalism. But to get on the point we're talking about, I know you're a Floridian, but I'm a Texan. You know, I I like Abbott. Don't know all the polls, but polls are only for fishing at this point. Yeah, fair enough. And, yeah, from the standpoint of, uh, you know, I, I would say Governor Abbott's doing a good job, and I would say the state of Texas is doing a good job as far as their voting laws, and that goes back to the Constitution. You know, it's the state legislators' responsibility to do that. Absolutely. The- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Hank, uh, and this gets back to you know a broader point, and uh, you know I, I appreciate the call and and the point that you're making there as well. And, and by the way, you know Abbott. Uh, he does not necessarily show up in, in the same level of conversations as, as say, a DeSantis. It'd be interesting to see if, if he decides to make a run, as we're, we're talking about whether DeSantis will. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily so sure about that. But the point you're making about you know voting laws in the states, absolutely. That's where these you know these states run their own elections. And when Trump continues to talk about, including most recently on topic, well, we, we should only have election day only voting and the idea of basically you know federal policy that would usurp state policy in a lot of respects it you know it runs counter to what the argument by the right has been right along which is we run elections at the the state and, and local level and, and and so it's not only i i think counterproductive in in the sense that it, it simply sends the message that uh well you know if you're if you're a Republican, you, you should only get out there and vote on Election Day, which, as I, I mentioned earlier, 
you know, can cost up to 5% of the vote. If people wait until Election Day to, to vote, can cost 5% for Republicans doing that within given elections. Uh, you know, it's not helpful. It's not constructive. And, and so anyway, the, the example and Texas had a better showing for for sure the, the cycle, um, while Florida obviously had a record setting cycle. And what turned out to the extent that a tsunami is a political term, you had a lot of people on the right that were so excited heading into Election Day that they were talking not only about maybe a national wave, but a tsunami. To the extent that a tsunami is a political term, that happened in Florida. It did happen in Florida. All right, let's go to James in Jacksonville, Arkansas. James, welcome to the show. Hello, Brian. Uh, I I enjoyed your story about the iguanas. And uh, <laughs> let me say that that uh, here in Arkansas, when the temperature gets below 40, I have to worry about raccoons, possums, and squirrels trying to get into my attic. However, I digress. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you that uh, I am 82 years old, and I cannot understand why in a country that is supposedly intelligent we are not up in arms about what is going on on the southern border yeah well yes uh yes yes and yes and you know at a certain point this i i think gets back to the what what rush used to refer to as low information voters you have a national news media that, by and large, uh, will simply ignore it. And as I have often said, the most pervasive form of bias in news media is omission of information. And, and so you, you have that. You have people that just don't know what really is going on there and then tend to think, well, it's it's not impacting them or it's exaggerated when maybe they hear something from somebody on the on the right talk about it. But. The, the reality on the ground is, is twofold. I would liken the border situation to a, a different version of a similar thing to actually what Kevin McCarthy was talking about in the clip that I, um, that I played coming into this segment where he's talking about inflation and spending. So, for example, on, on inflation and, and spending, we have had all these conversations about trillions of dollars being spent here and trillions of dollars being spent there and our our national debt that's over 30 trillion dollars i mean numbers that you know the most people can't even begin to really quantify and part of the problem informationally for some time has been you've had a lot of conservatives that have complained about the debt have complained about deficits but it, it seemingly hasn't hit home it seemingly hasn't it really impacted people well yes it has it absolutely has especially over the past couple of years we didn't just accidentally get to 40-year high inflation there are a number of catalysts for it but certainly the extent to which we have watered down our money monetary supply while simultaneously having all this artificial demand that was pumped into the system with a bunch of artificial, uh, you know, money, you know, coming at both ends. So you're, you're, you're lighting inflationary pressures on both ends. So it is all part and partial the same thing. 
It, but still, even now, you take a look at the way that a lot of voters ended up answering exit polling questions and the like. Most voters in this country did not necessarily take a look at spending that's happened and connect the dots over to inflation problems. And perhaps that's a problem of Republican messaging as well. But the border is a, a similar thing. Crime is up just about everywhere in this country. It didn't just accidentally happen, and yes, that's complicated as well. A lot of it has to do with you know the defunding police measures and the wokeism and and prosecutors that you know were, were Soros picks that don't prosecute crimes and and people that you know get out of jail as soon as they get there. All these different things are are catalysts that go into it. But you also have criminals that come across the southern border. But it's not just that. It's not just the people themselves committing crime that might come across. It happens to be a lot of what's being trafficked across that border. How much crime is connected to gang activity? How much crime is connected to the drug trade? That goes right down to addiction as well for people that commit crimes that ultimately are, are trying to be able to get more product. And so you, you take a look at all these other factors. And in all communities across this country, whether we talk about overdose deaths, we talk about fentanyl, we talk about crime being higher, there is a connection to our southern border and, and how open it is. But the average person probably doesn't connect the dots. And so your your point is, is well taken. It is frustrating, and it's part of what informationally needs to be communicated better by leadership on the right. And if there's anything we know, aside from Mitch McConnell being good on judges and nothing else, he certainly is not a good messenger. And, you know, you can make the question about whether McCarthy really is either. Who is a good messenger at this point? Part of the challenge, as there once again is a battle for the heart and soul of the Republican Party. So there is... There's a lot, uh, a lot that is at stake here going forward. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd Lovin'. state Supreme Court will grant Governor Ron DeSantis' request for a statewide grand jury to look into claims drug makers like Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna were not being truthful or forthcoming with claims their mRNA vaccines for COVID-19 were safe or effective. The governor argues the company sought to profit from people believing the vaccines would prevent COVID infection, and now data shows that not to be true. The grand jury will be impaneled for a year. It has a mission of fact-finding, but can hand up indictments. Yeah, that's uh, Fox's Evan Brown reporting there. Interesting. Uh, Ron DeSantis has not let off the gas at all as we head down the home stretch of the year with whatever he may or may not decide to do about 24 heading into the next. But this one in particular, interesting, because somebody had talked about the uh, immunity that the pharmaceutical companies had with the federal government when the VAX programs, Operation Warp Speed, originally was uh, you know, commenced. But you you take a look at what's happening here now at the state level, opens up a whole new ball of wax in addition to whatever the, the statements of fact may be that are produced. So perhaps stand by for news there. And, you know, on, on that note, with 
politicians that actually try to get to answers with actually solutions and success to significance. We do still have so much to be thankful for. One of the things I always think about is, okay, well, where are we today? Where are we heading? And one thing that is nice for as frustrating as this year has been, as frustrating as this cycle was in so many different ways, we should be at least slightly better off in the new year. Checks and balances in the house. And also, you start taking a look at some of the opportunities going forward. I mean, the the, the year itself, you know, obviously we featured a 1.41 year high inflation, a technical recession, and, and, and yes, uh, so many botched election opportunities by Republicans outside of Florida. But then you take a look at that record-setting performance within the state of Florida. And, the, you know, the funny thing is, whatever the future holds, it does look like, you know, the caller from Texas, not trying to take anything away from Texas, but be it Trump or DeSantis, it does seem like the future will be emanating from Florida. One thing that I have long said and it's not a case of recency bias or geographical bias in my case, but it's something that I firmly believed, by the way, even before I lived in South Florida, is that one day South Florida would save this country from itself because so many immigrants know what socialism really is. And for much of my career, as many South Floridians continue to vote for Democrats in large numbers, many people thought I was crazy for saying stuff like that, some locally, many nationally. But the time has come to save this country from itself. And that's what I believe comes next. Florida, including much of South Florida's political scene, makes an awful lot of sense these days. As we saw counties like Miami-Dade and Palm Beach County break towards the right when they were presented with a real choice election. So we need to finish the job. And as has been said, make America Florida well, it, it is possible, and I think as we look towards the new year, we do have a lot to be thankful for, and that includes a roadmap towards success nationally. It's one that Florida's governor will be releasing in that memoir the end of February. But in the meantime, may God bless you. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And as always, you have two sides to stories, one side to facts. I'll be back with... More of them next Wednesday. Talk to you then. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin.